0: It's uh, great to have you back. You are something of a podcast expert now. We've had you on; this is your third time, and you and Fergal, your boss, uh, have already reached the one thousand fans for a podcast. So your challenge today is to uh, to beat your boss with the number of people listening to the podcast. But welcome! Thanks very much. Uh, delighted to be here. Hopefully, we can get well over
1: a thousand on the next one.
0: We're here on virtually, but we're actually remote, and I i was in dublin earlier this year and i gotta say the guinness in dublin tastes a lot better than the guinness in in the uk and i don't think it's just the location is it i think you do something special over there we're not allowed to do in the uk to, to the guinness
1: yeah they, they keep that top secret i don't know what they
0: do with it but it definitely uh it does taste good here all right Well, if you know you're not going to tell me <laughs> anyway let's let's get on with the show we have got quite a lot to cover Hello and welcome or welcome back, Matthew Grant here and boy it's still hot here in London and things are picking up again as we're back with face-to-face events after a break for August. And climate is a central theme to this week's episode with Richard Gary with a couple of topics you might not have come across before. You're going to be hearing about flood following wildfire and first for us, a live demo by me as I test out Gamma's new service for Axtra island insurance, Go Green. Well, we are delighted to have Gamma Location Intelligence as one of our many members for Instec. That's one of 100 companies providing analytics and data that we're working with, as well as around 50 insurance companies we're talking to every month. Well, if you are struggling to find out what is going on in the world, want to share your story, or are just curious about who and what is really making a difference in insurance and technology, then please come along and see us at one of our short but lively events, details at www.instec.co or contact us to find out more about membership hello at instec.co every time i talk to you there's some new things going on at gamma so just quick introduction and then we're going to talk a bit more about what's going on so gamma location intelligence or gamma li you're providing software and data services to help insurers better understand location risks and climate the company's web services and applications include geocoding you've got mapping you help insurers with risk selection you do accumulation reporting and we're looking at or you're looking at hazard modeling as well you were founded over 30 years ago and we just mentioned headquartered in dublin but got people uh around around the world i think have i missed anything important in there
1: no i think you've covered it all yeah as you say what we try to do is provide as much information as required by our clients to make informed decisions whether that's to do with flood risk, our subsidence, our crime. And we try to get the most up-to-date data to them when they need it through APIs or through our Apparel Finder
0: platform. I'll come back a bit. We'll talk about some of those individually. But there are a lot of companies out there now providing data of all sorts. We had a, a really excellent event that uh, one of your colleagues actually joined us for with Risk Managers. And what was interesting about that is got all this data but they're not actually quite sure what to do with it. So you've got the data, but what problem are you helping insurers solve? Because there's lots of choices for data, but clearly you've been going for 30 years, you've built a business. What do you think it is that you're offering specifically that's driven the growth of uh, of Gamma?
1: It's really been, I think, that responsive to the client's needs, keeping up to date on on changes, whether that's moving from postcodes to point based buildings, using building outlines, building attribute data, just keeping keeping as up to date and as current as as the clients need. But being responsive as well and being able to customize, I mean, changing and adapting is one thing, but customizing the solution to individual clients' needs is an area that we play quite strongly in. That gives them then that competitive advantage that they're they're looking for.
0: Yeah, there's a real skill, isn't there, in building software? Because on the one hand, to scale a business, you need to be building you know, sort of one version of the product. But at your point, most people want to be able to manage the workflow and have their own version of the application. Oh, yeah,
1: it, it is a tightrope to walk. But I think if you have a, quite a stable platform, there's small changes that can be made that, that, uh, that helps each individual client without fundamentally reinventing the wheel each time.
0: And APIs, of course, are a big part of that. And and APIs have been around for over 20 years. I mean, fortunately today, every technology company, I would say, offering a service that's still selling services has got an API. But how long has Gamma been building out APIs for for your clients? I'd say we're at it at least 10
1: years, possibly 15 at this stage. We started working with AWS right at the start, so we were able to sort of take advantage of that and build out our products through Amazon. We've been at it a long time, and they've definitely evolved and changed as well.
0: It does make you uh, not quite bleeding edge, but certainly I think early adopters of technology you were going back, probably almost in one of the earlier users with the Amazon cloud solution with AWS. And you mentioned Peril Finder as one of your products. Tell me a little bit more about how should people think about what Peril Finder does? Our background is
1: in location intelligence or GIS, spatial analytics. It's the ability to take data that normally sits in spreadsheets and and databases and visualize that on a map. Um, so taking the the property that we're interested in underwriting, visualizing where that is, and then overlaying the likes of your flood or subsidence or other peril data so that you can see how they interact with that location you're interested in. And the idea with peril Finder is to make that as user-friendly as possible so that the map is there. And everyone's quite used to seeing things on Google now these days and Google Maps in particular, but Bing and OpenStreetMap, there's lots of others out there as well. But we rag score that information as well. So you can actually see like a very quickly red, amber, green. Is there anything that I should be worried about for this this location? So you can see it on one side on the map and then the other, you're getting that nice dashboard that gives you the information. And you can drill into it as well. Like if if the user wants to see a lot more detail, they can do that. Or they can just get in, see it. Everything's green, grand, let's move on. Or if there is some issue, they can dig into the data and explore it in a little bit more detail, whether that's looking at something maybe in Street View. They could refer it on to a colleague, share the link to the tool, and ultimately produce a, a report that can go along with the policy once it's written. Yeah,
0: it makes a lot of sense, and thank you for spelling out the acronym. But for anyone that's still wondering, RAG—that's the red, am- amber, green scoring. And I, you know, I think the way you describe that is a reminder that even as technology advances, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this as we go along, the people that seem to be winning are those that are balancing where you allow the technology to do the the simple stuff, but actually it's quite complicated to get those rules right, and then you bring the, the underwriter or the underwriting team in to review. Those situations where it's amber or, or, I guess, red, you probably would decline it anyway. Or maybe there's a kind of quick check to make sure that the tool or data is is right. But there's efficiency you're creating for people by, by that rag scoring. And then as you look to the future, climate clearly is in everyone's mind. As we're talking now, we're seeing the wildfires in Greece and the really significant heat in, uh, in Europe. How are you evolving to help people understand what the climate issues are going to be, not just in the next 12 months, which is kind of an underwriting cycle, but also into the future where they've got a report on 5, 10, 20-year outlook?
1: Obviously, with our background and ability to assess risk, and we've been doing that for years, we're ideally positioned then to take in similar data that projects that into the future as well. So what we can do with that then is assess somebody's existing or current position, or even their historical view of business. So what is my risk profile now with this book that I'm currently dealing with? But look at that into the future as well and see how that might change. So that's sort of dealing with the historical side of it. We also help you with their day-to-day business, as we've talked, through APIs and Peril Finder. And even within those, you can incorporate the climate change data if you need it. And then... From a sort of future perspective, what we're trying, trying to do is explore ways that we could assist them or allow our clients to assist their customers in mitigating or adapting to climate change. So to that end, what we've done is developed a tool called BEOR Wow, which allows our clients to put it on their website. But what BEOR wow does is allows customers to assess their property for retrofit to see what they should do to improve the efficiency of their house, reduce their energy bills, and and obviously help help the environment at the same time.
0: Well Richard, as you're a podcast regular, you very kindly agreed to work with me to do a first time, I mean, I'm not sure many people would try this, but a a product demo on a podcast. So we're gonna to come to that in a minute. I just want to come back a little bit on the data you're bringing in for the climate. So It'd be good to know just what are the sources of data that you're using and how, to what extent do you, would your clients expect you to validate that versus you're providing them with choices, And which is you know, it's fine to do this. You, you, it's up to them to choose which one they, they use for the particular analysis they're running through Peril Finder. Yes, we
1: tend to stick with the bigger providers of data. I mean, the main area of concern for everyone is still flooding, especially on, on these islands. So the, the bigger players would all have their existing view of risk that most of the insurers would use, but have also developed out the climate change perspective on that using various RCPs and time horizons, so that representative filtration pathway. It provides a view and an interpretation of those so that the, our clients can then get a handle on what their book of business would look like into the future. And does does the risk profile increase or decrease?
0: Yeah, and the RCPs, you said, representative concentration pathways are the the standard methodologies and there's some other ones coming out that people use to explore what the impact, for example, of sea surface temperature is and climate change generally on uh, the rises in, in the sea conditions, for example. So good to know that's available. And then I noticed you talk about something which is flooding following wildfire. Now in the US, they have fire following earthquake. But tell me a bit more about what is flooding following wildfire? I haven't come across that before.
1: It's just something to be aware of from a flood risk perspective that obviously flooding happens when it's wet and wildfire tends to happen when it's dry. Um, But when one follows the other, the issue arises in that wildfire will obviously burn off the vegetation. The ground is probably quite hard so there's nothing there to soak up excess water or excess rainfall so that it tends to effectively run off the ground like concrete and then overload the um, the drainage networks. So there's an increased chance of flooding if there has been a dry spell followed by quite a wet spell. So we, we have seen these kind of swings quite a lot. Like Ireland, the UK over the past two months have had a wild swing where June was some of the hottest Junes on, on record, I think it was in the UK. And we've just had the wettest July on record. So having those big swings can lead to two issues down the line. And even on wildfires, there's been massive increase in the number of wildfires over the in the UK, I think it went up fourfold between twenty twenty-one and twenty twenty two. So, there are these big changes, and they can lead to issues and flooding is certainly one of those. If we see a lot more of that wildfire, the vegetation getting burned off upland certainly upland areas where you want the water to soak in if that 's not going to happen, then it 'll just flood down to the plains
0: yeah it 's a very sobering reminder of not we don 't not just have to deal with the climate changes as we think about we know about, such as wildfire because that 's been very much in the news over in europe but it actually happens much closer to home for those in the uk and ireland and then to your point we all know it rains a lot in in the uk and ireland so it doubles up that problem so good to know you're able to capture it albeit you know we'll have to think slightly differently about risk going forward so back on a sort of happier note i want to come back and take a look at BEWOW, and so we're going to take a look at the website so richard you you advised me i need to go and google go green which is your initiative you're doing with AXA insurance you're supporting with AXA insurance so I've gone on to the Go Green website anybody can you can try this at home by just googling Go Green at AXA so what I really like about this is it's a very dynamic way for I guess it's AXA's customers in this case for, to get advice on how to retrofit which means basically apply things afterwards to make the house warmer and reduce the cost of energy both in various physical aspects as so they can do you can actually look at it dynamically so I've gone into it and you might have to help me when I get stuck but I've found a a button that says typical Irish home because it's just currently for Ireland isn't it so I've I've clicked on typical Irish homes and then it now gives me a slider bar to kind of decide how my home is so this, I'm basically going to go to the 1970s and I've now asked how many stories so I'm going to go two stories a house dwelling type I'm going to call myself a semi-detached house House typology so actually you give me a photograph now of a house so let's pick one that looks a bit like my house. And then straight away, I've got recommendations. This is what I really like, because now it's already figured out for me different measures I can take to improve the quality of my house. And so it's broken down. In this case, it said that the, ex- the, the roof could be insulated. Typical cost, €5,000, goes on. And it, what's brilliant about it is it says a total project would cost me €40,000. I can get a grant of €8,000. So the net cost comes down to roughly 32000 And then even better than that, I can then go and take out a loan to be able to go and pay for that. And that's all dynamically done on the website. I think this is, I think it's brilliant. How's it going for, uh, how's it going for AXA, do you know?
1: It's actually just, uh, I think they've only uh, gone live within the last few weeks. It's going well so far anyway, all the feedback's been quite positive. It's a tool i have been working on for years, but we eventually got there. There's a lot of, demand for it at the moment. One of the things that we hear a lot is people saying, yeah, I'd love to be able to reduce my energy bills. I'd love to make my house warmer, but how do I go about doing that? And there's loads of different places you can go. What we've tried to do is bring that all into one place. If you have a BER cert, which is the Irish equivalent of an EPC cert, you can enter that in and access that and start right from your actual house rather than the way that you've done it there, Matthew, which is for people that don't have it. And about half of homes don't actually have a, a B or CERT at the moment, so they'll need to go through that route. So it's for both sides. And as you said, you can go in, look at different things, like with a wall insulation, will I do the do the attic, insulate the attic? Should I change my, my doors or windows and or even the heating type? And that's all costed. Which we've had to keep up to date because of the cost of uh, building. Inflation is is crazy over the past few years, but then also having that ability to to identify the loans and the savings and the grants really helps everybody to to focus on on what they're doing. And the the real benefit is another feature actually within the tool is it'll actually show you the return on investment. So if I invest that twenty thousand now what will I save over the next X number of years in terms of fuel bills? And when will that pay back itself?
0: No, it's a really powerful tool. And I for those listening outside the UK and Ireland that, that aren't familiar with the, the BER or the EPC certificate, I'm sure other countries have something similar. But it's essentially, it's a way using a tool or a, a survey of understanding what the rating is for, for how well or badly a house is insulated and other examples of how it's, it's reducing energy consumption. It's often in certain countries it's required as part of a sale. And of course, as we are talking about it, what I realise is that in itself, it, that is creating, it's reducing the carbon footprint of, I guess it could be AXA, it could be the people selling houses, because you can do quite a lot of work with this online without having to send out a surveyor to go and do the assessment. So of itself, you know, that's sort of the beauty of it. It's reducing the carbon footprint. And so Richard, I'm going to take a little credit. It was a spike on the AXA website for people looking at go green, from our listeners based in in Ireland, then uh, I think we should get a bit of credit for that, for doing the first ever podcast demo without a demo. Absolutely, yeah. Credit where credit's due. And if anybody wants to see a live demo, I'm sure you'd be also happy to do that as part of helping them understand what's happening in in the background as well. Uh, But let's switch a little bit. So one of your original clients, and I know you're still working with a number of these companies, is the MGAs. So this is slightly different than the consumer we've talked about, but can you just explain a little bit about how MGAs are working with you just now? Yeah, it's probably two angles
1: to it. I mean, in a similar way to insurers, they need to assess risk and understand the risk profile of any business that they're writing, certainly from a property perspective. And that's where we can help. So through the provision of APIs and and Peril Finder. But on the other side, we talked about it briefly earlier as well, a way of uh, understanding their current book of business from a climate change risk perspective as well. Uh, so that they can then feed that back to their capacity providers, both to assist them with their regulatory reporting, but also to demonstrate, I suppose, that they're uh, being proactive in this space to provide that sort of confidence to the capacity provider, that they're taking a a longer-term view with this book of business.
0: It makes a lot of sense, because these capacity providers themselves have got to understand their own ESG footprint, and so understanding when they're bringing in capacity how people are actually controlling that is increasingly important for them. And then I guess some sort of related theme, but again, slightly different. We're seeing a lot of organizations now that are collaborating around distributing that data. You know, people call it ecosystems, some of it's through platforms. But what's your view on that in terms of what you yourselves are distributing other people's data? Are you also making your data available into other platforms so, so insurers don't have to you know, get and bring another system? They can just embed it in their own workflow.
1: To date, it's been working with data providers to put it onto ours. We generate some data. It's primarily for the Irish and the UK markets. There's been some demand for it, but we haven't worked with any of the big platform providers just yet, Uh, but always open to it. Anyone that is interested, certainly get in touch and uh, we'll have a conversation.
0: Well, we can do better than that. We're actually running a workshop with one of the platform providers, which we'll be uh, inviting you along to have exactly that discussion with others that are providing data which is you know what are the practical benefits and also you know being realistic about the challenges and and limitations of when people do this it's, it's, it's very straightforward to sign a partnership agreement there's a bit of work to be done when the, all the thing has to join up together but there's definitely going to be more of those you know more of these organizations that you know are either interested in putting data through what you're doing through peril finder or all the other tools you've got as well as accessing data as well so and then Richard, as we get towards the end, which is I'm kind of interested in what you see in the next 12 months. So when we get together and, and talk about this in 12 months, and I thought I'd frame it in, in as something you're, you're a big fan of. You recently ran a 90 kilometer run down in South Africa, which sounds quite extraordinary. I don't quite know if I was doing that; I'd be in such pain I couldn't think of anything. But I know you're very fit. So, so let's tell me a bit more about the run, and also. And, what kind of things are you thinking about for the future, either on your run or outside of your run?
1: Yes, it's an annual event down in South Africa, the Comrades Marathon. They've been doing it for almost 100 years at this stage. It was fairly tough, but yeah, once you do the training, you can get through these things. What do I think about when I'm running? I think there's books written about that, but it really it gives you the time to think think through things in work or family or, or, or that kind of stuff, it definitely helps you focus on problem solving and, and the future. In this area, I can only see a growth in the climate change space, that there has to be more demand and more requirements to understand uh, how these things are changing, especially things like flooding and maybe the increase in, in heat at different times of the year as well. We're going to have to start looking at wildfire on these islands. I never thought we'd have to say that with the amount of rain we get, but it's, it's something we're going to have to take more seriously. And then that retrofit space as well, really digging in and seeing how we can improve the current stock of of houses, even on the EV side of things as well. I think there'll be a lot more in that space. Um, it's not area our area yet, but I think with electric vehicles, there'll be a lot more in that Uh, in that space, certainly from an insurer's perspective.
0: No, absolutely. And I think one of the books you're alluding to, uh, which kind of suits me a little bit more, because the title is What I Talk About When I Talk About Running by Harukai Murakami, which I actually have read. I'm much happier talking about what I talk about when I run rather than actually having to do the 90-kilometer run. Good. And then finally, we've talked about a few things, but what's the easiest way for people to learn more about Gamma if they want to? explore some of the areas we've discussed or indeed anything else you could be doing with them
1: look for gamma location intelligence gamma li and google you'll find us on the find our website you can contact us that way we're quite active on linkedin as well so yeah and contact myself or jason day my colleague as well so look forward to hearing from anyone that's interested
0: well richard always fascinating talking to your colleagues you're know, learning a whole lot more the world keeps changing around us so creating opportunities challenges for insurers you can support we are looking forward to catching up in 12 months and maybe seeing you over in the uk before the end of the year thanks very much and hey, oh it's a weekend so maybe you might even be enjoying some proper guinness over there in uh, in ireland